have this friendly against Latvia, which is a little bit of a nothing game. It could be interesting that game now if it is the case that this is when Evan Ferguson starts and maybe that's his chance. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lack that intensity. You're going to be like Michael Jordan this morning, I hope, right? <laughs> and I took that personal. Because uh, about a year ago, it seems, you were like, oh, Glenn, All-Ireland champions, nail it, oh, it's guaranteed. <laughs> this is, I don't even think they were uh, club champions, county champions at that stage. Nope. Maybe they were, I don't know. I was way ahead of the times, Chair. Uh, I even had the clip ready to go yesterday. I was like, I'd better take out that clip for when Glenn win this evening. Um, there, no. this, I, anyway, go on. Yeah. We start. Okay. Where do we go? <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, who knows where we're going to start? Can I give a couple of honourable mentions first before we get into the red? Uh, Derry beating Tyrone by 12 points in the McKenna Cup final. I watched that on Saturday evening. Uh, and Derry look imperious. Very, very impressive, it has to be said. Um, and then the Walsh Cup as well. The crowd that turned up for Wexford beating Kilkenny by four points. At uh, Chadwick's Wexford Park, was it 12,500 tickets sold by Wexford? Yeah. Incredible scenes for a Walsh Cup game. The, the Wexford County Board Chairman is one of the most impressive characters in the GAA at the moment. Uh, also called Michael Martin, and he is a future president, no doubt. But um, maybe, maybe he could be an administrator instead of president, so yep. you can actually be effective. 100%. And the atmosphere looked electric. I mean, a game under lights does the world of good when it comes to pre-season. And I yeah. think everyone has an appetite for, for going to, to live matches at the moment as well. So. Conor McKeown has great details in the, in the piece about how the queue was absolutely massive. But they've managed to finance the lights in, on time and under budget. And, you know, I mean, mm. <laughs> it's a very rare thing in Irish civil life where somebody manages to do this. And uh, bear in mind, you know... Um, the, they, they, they haven't got the massive population advantages that many other counties have, but they've been organised properly in Wexford now for the last decade or so, and you're beginning to see the fruits of it. And the game was a, a classic. Fireworks, they hyped it up, they sold tickets before Christmas. It was like, oh yeah, that all makes sense. That, there's a template there. So fair play to them, and um, credit where it's due. But they don't, they don't even make the power rankings this week. No, they don't. And you know what doesn't... Else, uh, the other thing that doesn't make the power rankings that I wanted to speak about this morning... Performance rankings, sorry. The performance yeah, rankings. The performance. This is... Now that the power rankings are sorry, back, which rankings, we will talk about, don't worry. We we're going to get to that. Uh, we will. I wanted to give a special mention... Performance is a very important word here. Yeah, of course, it is. Um, our lads, and geriatric love, and... You know, finding finding love again in in your eighties and nineties as an octogenarian or nanogenarian, I think is the word for someone in their nineties. Uh, Buzz Aldrin, first of all, on Friday on his ninety uh, third birthday, the second man to walk on the moon. Um, married a sixty three year old woman. It was his it was his fourth marriage, but best wishes to Buzz. And he says they're like um, a couple of school kids. And then uh, on the same day, we see Mick O'Dwyer, the Kerry legend, at eighty six, getting married himself as well, uh, Darren Killarney. So uh, special congratulations to himself and his uh, wife. Geraldine McGurr, who is 65, uh, a Tyrone woman as well. I think this will do great, great things. This could be a turning point in Tyrone Kerry relations, um, where finally they can get on and is forget them all crossing that. the divide. Potentially, potentially. But um, some of the quotes from Mikko, uh, there was plenty of photographs of Mikko Dwyer and his new wife um, in the papers across the weekend. He says, so far, so good. I've never cared about age. I played football into an old age and I always enjoy playing it. Age doesn't matter in life. It's all about how you feel inside. If you're happy to be with any individual at any age, then I think it's a great opportunity. It's great to be married again, and I have no doubt it will continue for a number of years to come. He said the pair met, quote, several years ago on the social scene. Um, described as a lovely woman. Um, so, yeah, you, you never know what's going to happen. He says, uh, what is not to fall for with Miko? This is what Geraldine had to say. We get on brilliantly. We bounce off one another quite well. I have no interest in sport, 
but we are great together. So, a bit of geriatric loving going on at the weekend. Um, caught my eye. Yeah. Uh, a, f- a friend of the show who um, may or may not want me to uh, read, he's like, oh, I didn't have Tyrone down as number one in Mikko's power rankings. Um, can we all now agree that even everybody in Kerry thinks Tyrone were the team of the decade, decade in the noughties? <laughs> yeah. Are we getting... Yeah, I think there's a lot of respect for Tyrone down in Kerry. I heard the stories of um, you know Tyrone players getting clapped off the bus in, in Kerry for, for different league games over the years. Um, and there was the famous, was it the year Tyrone won the All-Ireland, they got absolutely trounced and hockeyed by Kerry in the league. Oh, they did them a favour. 100%. That was it. That was it. They scored seven goals passing, that was right. Apparently they had, Kerry had a night out, or Tyrone had a night out in Killarney that night. And, see, uh, and then they were like, you know. Bonded. Yeah. were like, this after, is the end oh, of After it. the game, sorry, yeah. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. After the game. There was something about the pre-match... They were Rep. they were accused of what were they accused of uh, something down in the national park they were oh a full training session but they'd gone for like ah a, yes to stretch the legs and anyway look yeah, yeah you're right the 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 wonder of love I mean Shane you know you you know in your in your seventies or eighties or nineties you might want some comfort you know in what life. I, I was just thinking you know because and, and who are we to to you know no get in the here. way fair of, play to them I think it's love. great that you're still getting out and enjoying yourself and being like I'm still going to experience life in all the ways that I can like yeah. fix this and would Buzz Aldrin be rich now Shane would he uh, he'd be he'd be fairly well off I think he makes an, uh, about six hundred thousand dollars a year what I only know this because um, his third wife who he divorced in 2012 the all these figures were released. Um, right. Because he, uh, I think he either has to give 30 or 50% of the annual income to her and a, a number of other uh, bits and bobs here and there. So that the divorce was a little bit messy. Right. But uh, he's found love again. Some, some boyo, in fairness. Some boyo, fair play. Some boyo. At 93, he still scuba dives and keeps in, keeps in good uh, look. Nick. I mean, he does look great. Like, I hadn't seen amazing. pictures of him in ages. And then when you mentioned it earlier, Shane, I looked him up and I was like, you wouldn't think he's that old. This is actually what you would have predicted for Buzz Lightyear in the years after he becomes a superhero, isn't it? It's like <laughs> many wives, still scuba diving at 93, yeah. going strong, making the press, like just just living. Follows the narrative. But apparently Edwin, Edwin Aldrin is his actual name, but uh, his little sister used to call him Buzzer instead of Brother when he was a kid. And Buzzer was shortened to Buzz and that's why he's known as Buzz Aldrin and hence Buzz Lightyear became a thing. Um, my family were asking me last night at the meal that the, for my uncle, um, Shane, are you, what's the story you just said? You're, you're, you're 30 this year, you're, you haven't found anyone yet. Oh. But you know what? Uh, my response straight away, well, Mikko is 86. No rush. And Buzz is 93. I've got 63 years on Buzz Aldrin. You do? I've got loads of time. Relax. The difference is, Shane, that they did also have other women in their lives before. Fair. <laughs> yeah, Cathy, thank you. Right? Okay. But uh, you know what? There's hope out there for all of us. Right. There's hope out there for, for Mick and Buzz. So, okay. The two lads. Ha- they didn't make the rankings, performance rankings, but I had to give them an honourable mention. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, will we get into it? We'll get into the red, I think. Uh, just, to, just to kick that off. Uh, the uh, frozen pitch debacle in the WSL. This uh, was something that... Uh, caught the headlines. It's a very the functional performance rankings this week, by the way. No, no, yeah. no word puns. Nothing. Just uh, no. yeah, yeah. 100%. Cold and the names of the teams. <laughs> Straight into it. Yeah, no mess. This is going to be a good solid four and a half out of ten show today. Is it? <laughs> is that what we're like? That's what we're aiming for. I'll take that. It's a pass. Forty percent. Um, Chelsea and Liverpool. I think three out of ten pass these days. Okay, Shane, you're showing your age. Okay, we'll take it. Uh, so Chelsea and Liverpool abandoned after just six minutes due to a frozen pitch. Um, I know, Kathleen, you were uh, tweeting the. Footage from the first number of minutes, and it's, I mean, if you put some ridiculous music, if you put the Curb Your Enthusiasm music over it, you'd be like, this is a, this is a skit. Everyone's slipping around everywhere, everyone's falling, um, it's bound to hurt because the pitch is frozen, uh, and even Emma Hayes saying afterwards, you could see from the opening minutes, it was like an ice rink down the sides, the game should never have started. 
Uh, Brighton Arsenal also postponed. So this match at King's Meadow between Chelsea and Liverpool had passed the pitch inspection two hours before the kickoff at half past twelve. Well, see, this is the thing: it actually didn't pass the pitch inspection. It didn't pass it. It didn't pass. So the referee initially said that it couldn't go ahead, but this was the match that was up for broadcast on the day. Right. So Pressure. all of a sudden, it was like, oh no, we'll actually go ahead with the match, uh, even though the both managers had been told that it wasn't going ahead, and both managers didn't want it to go ahead, and neither did any of the players. But they're still like once the decision was made, they still had to go out and play. And like you can see, there's a photo of Erin Cuthbert's thigh, and it's like bruised. She's like bleeding Mm. because she slipped on the ice. It's madness, absolute madness. What? Who makes these decisions? I mean, I know the TV pressure is on, but and it's probably up to the FA and the officials. But I know a lot of people were tweeting kind of the need for undersoil heating and proper facilities. I think Vivian Miedema was tweeting about the fact that you know either it's undersoil heating or it's let us play on the same pitches as the men mm-hmm. uh, and just sort it out. If there's something as far as women's football has come in both Ireland and England, like to see this on a weekend with a game as big as this was quite surprising. It's also the fact as well that only two matches actually went ahead in the league over the weekend because all the other games were called off as well for pitches being frozen like Arsenal Brighton later that day was supposed to kick off at like quarter seven called off about an hour beforehand fans had already travelled Lotwoman Moy who plays for Arsenal actually left money behind a bar near the stadium for fans and was like you know she said go have a cranberry and a bag of crisps on me but I think there were there are a few pints from the pictures I saw of people tweeting from there but you know just stuff like that it's it's ridiculous after England hosted the Euros won the Euros brought so much great attention to the game that we have like the majority of games not happening at a weekend because there's bad weather as several players pointed out they play in a cold country it's not like they're in you know sunny Spain where this happens like once every couple of years it's not even that cold (laughs) (laughs) this isn't Norway you know Um, there should definitely be a a fallback position I don't know about moving into the massive stadiums yet is the atmosphere not crap in big stadiums when they're not full as a fallback position no problems but don't don't all of the big clubs also have like proper training pitches and facilities that are amazing? Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose a lot of those are not as suited to fans is kind of the only thing. Like probably somewhere like Man City that playing at the Academy Stadium, that's probably a good in between because, you know, it's a big stadium, but it's still, you know, accessible to fans and it's not massive. It depends on the club. Like Arsenal have attracted crowds of like 40,000 to the Emirates the three times they've played there this year. And the other one that they didn't attract as many to was the Champions League. And that was midweek. And they tend to be not as big turnouts anyway. So, I mean, there's arguments there for it either way. I think as a fallback position, if a stadium isn't as being fallback, used, right. why not use it? Exactly, yeah. Um, or else if you know that like there's bad weather coming up, you just there needs to be more in place. Like... There's no way they should have gone out on that pitch. It was literally an ice rink. And it's, I don't know, maybe the manager should have said more. The club should have said more at the time and just said, well, we're not putting our players in that sort Mm. of danger. Especially when we look at the fact that like the majority of the top players in the game right now are out with like ligament injuries, knee injuries, all the sort of things that you're going to get from a slippy pitch. Well, the the footage spoke a thousand words because Matt Beard, the Liverpool manager, I think it kept cutting to him and it's like he's just there shaking his head the entire duration of the five and a half, six minutes or whatever it was. And even um, um, his comments... She was like, uh, it wasn't playable at 9.30am, so they said to give it until 2 o'clock. There was a section that was quite hard, so they put blowers on it. They tested everywhere else. It wasn't too bad, but as soon as you take the covers off, as she says, it becomes a different situation. So the pitch was just 
completely not played. If, if it was Sunday League, it wouldn't have gone ahead because of all the slipping that was going on. All right. The other thing, the other pitch we should talk about is Croker. It's come in from massive criticism from particularly the hurling fraternity who yep. said, um, you know, this is unacceptable for the, the biggest club game of the year. We'll get to the situation at Croke Park in a moment. But, uh, OK, who else in the red? Yeah, uh, we're going to put Frank Lampard and Everton in the red. Uh, I think, uh, unfortunately for Frank Lampard, he's been in the red quite a bit of late, uh, and rightly so. Now, he, he fronted up in his post-match interview, as uh, managers tend to do in this scenario. Uh, says he absolutely does not fear being sacked after his side were beaten 2-0 by West Ham in the league on uh, the weekend. Jared Bowen with the two goals for West Ham in that one. So Everton without a win in the top flight since October, and uh, stuck in a relegation battle in 19th, 19th position. Not a good morning to be waking up if you're an Irish Toffee fan this morning. Uh, six defeats and two draws on this current run of form. Lampard's longest, longest winless run as a manager uh, in league competition, which is really, really poor. Um, but it's so interesting that, he, that he's coming out afterwards and saying, ah, I don't fear the sack. Maybe he's going to say that regardless. Farhad Mashiri kind of uh, doorstepped by the Sky Sports reporters after the game and he was saying, it's not my decision. I don't know whose decision it is. Um, but he, he would have to feel like he's close to the sack. Like that was Mashiri's first time at a match, I think, in, in 14 months, uh, watching the team. Not a great sign, though, is it? It's, no. like, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, hello. Yeah, which is strange. Oh, hello, Grim Reaper. <laughs> oh, look, what, what? Yeah. Oh, it's a white horse, is it? I think Lamp- <laughs> Lampard came out afterwards and was like, I'm used to, you know, managers and owners. Our owners not coming to see us play. That was the same at Chelsea. Uh, you know, owners didn't see me play for, for quite some time for the 18 months or so I was there. But, I mean, this per run, run of form, you'd imagine, will spell the end. They're out of the FA Cup, they're out of the League Cup. Um, it's not like they have a trophy to, to kind of fall back on and have some sort of hope. Arsenal up next. I mean, come on. Like, what, what are you going to do if you're, if you're the Everton board? And I know that the fans are, the fans are quite supportive of, of Lampard, considering the results. They know and they feel that it's, this is the board's problem. It's not necessarily Frank Lampard's issue. There probably needs to be a, 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 a massive... Uh, overhaul of, of players at Everton it's just kind of come to the end of a of an era of a cycle as things tend to do a bit like Liverpool but maybe worse um, but one point from the last seven league games I mean three wins from 15 uh, I mean it, it's just it's just not good I, I think I, I'd be surprised I'm hearing Duncan Ferguson's name this morning being heavily linked um, I feel like Rooney. he comes up every time though he does, there's a change big dunk yeah. <laughs> has he not got a job he he's been out of work since he left. Oh right, that's what he left. Sorry, he had a yeah. He he didn't pick up any work, but uh, maybe that speaks volumes. Uh, Wayne Rooney will no doubt be being in amongst it. Sean Dyche, you'd imagine as well. I think Pochettino will be holding out for the for the Spurs gig when it comes up at the end of the season. Pochettino, no doubt. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like that, there's delusional, and then there's like, oh, Pochettino <laughs> might take the Everton gig. Uh, you never know. Uh, Everton are going to find it very hard to find a credible manager. I mean, I, I guess you go in and you think, OK, well, if we go down and I get fired, I'm going to get paid mm. relatively well. Deitch would take this, would he? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It, it's, it seems right up his alleyway. But then, but then the Everton fans, the delusional ones who are like, oh, no, we want Lampard. Uh, and we, we couldn't have Benitez. And we mm. couldn't have any of those other managers who don't play football in the Everton way I think they do play football in the Everton way and uh, so I don't know maybe they don't want Daesh yeah who knows but I, I would imagine the next few days we'll, we'll tell all we'll move on because there's so much to get through uh, we'll move on to the Amber and uh, this is Kilmacud Kilmacud's 17 men 16 men I don't know exactly what we're going with but uh, they're, in the, they're in the Amber because it was an excellent performance a big win they won the All-Ireland Senior Fo- Football Club Championship for the first time since 2009 Dara Mullen man of the match full forward was, was brilliant Um I mean, I'm sure Robbie Brennan, Robbie Brennan had his uh, PTSD from, from last year's 
last gasp win for, for Kilku in his mind as, as Glenn were pushing forward towards the end. Uh, Shane Cunningham, the captain, was brilliant. Um, Connor Glass had a chance to win it. It would did. have been one of the most dramatic finales of all time and it might have prevented the massive controversy we have because it's a proper... Yeah. So the, the tabloids are the ones who are um, reporting on this uh, sweet 16 for Croaks. And they're like, oh yeah, okay, he's 16 men. Now, we should bear in mind that, right, like uh, it was 16 or 17, depending on, on what angle the the counting is done from. Not so sweet 16 for Glenn, as Croaks win ends in controversy. And extra men sink Glenn, which is kind of, you know, baldly stating the fact. That's on uh, Jason Burns' piece in The Sun. Bear in mind, this is a team who... Uh, last year had snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, right? Yeah. And as you say, there's PTSD from the previous year. So how do you get over that? Well, you've loads and loads of extra men on the field at the last minute when the ball is coming in. You know, like, it's not like this didn't have a material impact. Yeah. It's it's a perfect perfect way to win, isn't it? Just for people who aren't aware of this, 63 minutes on the clock. Uh, it's a double substitution by Kilmacud. So number 10, Fox, comes on. Number 20, Paul Mannion, comes off. Number 19, Casey on. And number 14, Darren Mullen, off. But do they go off? I mean, the footage would appear not. So Mannion hadn't left the field when uh, Danny Tallon kicks the 45. The referee's arm is still in the air and he appears to be under the Hogan stand side. Um, you know, very much in earshot and eye shot of the, the 45 kicker. And Mullen, Dara Mullen, who was one of the substitutions taken off, was on the goal line for this 45. The 45's taken short. Ultimately, it ends in a, in a, a wide for, for Glenn. The resulting kick out, the referee blows the whistle, the game's over. It's only a short amount of time, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Maliki works going berserk on the sidelines. Glenn are apparently to seek clarification from the uh, Central Competitions Control Committee. I, I don't know what's going to happen from this. I'm just looking at some of the quotes here. You from can't the, uh, let the results stand. You cannot credibly, at the end of your entire season, have too many players on the field of play and let the results stand. Now, ideally, Croaks will be kicked out, I think, because they're the ones who have screwed up. I agree with you. I agree. That's what should happen. Yeah. And there shouldn't be this, oh, we could find them. Now, the other thing is, like, it shouldn't be up to Glenn to seek clarification or ask for a replay. Straight away, you come out and you go, this is a significant screw-up, as embarrassing a screw-up as there has been in an All-Ireland final Mm -hmm. that we can remember. Can we remember anything as bad as this? It's it's 2010. It's it's live me, isn't it? Like, is that Mm -hmm. the, the last time I remember something as farcical as this? There's maybe not as much being said about it. It's a fact, like, everyone definitely knew at the time as well, in the sense that, like, you could talk about, I saw Malachi O'Rourke down on the sidelines, I was at the game, he was going mad. The Kilmacud background staff as well, they were also, like, gesturing the guys to get off because they could see that the the ref on the side was getting annoyed at the fact that they weren't coming off. So it's like... Now they're talking today and they're like, oh, the lads were just time-wasting, you know. Sorry, then they're doing it with knowledge. This is the thing. It looked, it certainly looked, they were gesturing at players to come off the pitch. Like, I saw that from the side. So how is this not... I was in the Hogan stand. How is this not cheating? How is this not an egregious example of cheating, right? Like, what we do, we'll have extra men on the field to play. Oh, it's gamesmanship. It's not. It's not gamesmanship. It's worse than that. In the last moment of the game, you have more players than you're allowed to have on the field. It's a 15-a-side game and they had more players than that on. Can't, you can't let the result stand. No. You cannot let it stand. Alternatively, you let it stand and there's a fine. And then next year, when there's like a free to win a game, you just send on the whole team. Subs and all. Just pitch invasion. Like, what are you going to do? Oh, the game's over now. Sorry. Result on the field is, uh, well, we don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, 
You, you can't you can't let the results stand. And it, it should not be up to Glenn, but if it is up to Glenn to make some noise, then they've got to get out and make that noise and not be seen as, like, bad losers because they're not being bad losers. There's a there's a ball landing. Should we saw it in the, in the semi-final. Yeah. Croaks were like, oh, my God, what's going to happen here? A, a six-point lead becomes, like, having to catch the ball under their own goal line in the very last second of the game to prevent it from going to extra time. So it clearly mattered. It clearly has an impact, a material impact on the result of the game. So I think if if Croaks have any sense here, they're like straight out going, okay, replay, lads. Because, you know... Get ahead of it. The worst outcome. A the, fine, a fine for Croaks. I mean, it's... Yes. It, would, it would be absolutely meaningless. The thing with Glenn as well is that, like, I don't think anyone believes that this is how they would want to win the championship no, at not. all. And, like, I could see from, like, Malachi O'Rourke's side if he's just like, look, I just... That's not what I want. But it's like you're saying, this is about the integrity of the game. It's actually... It almost goes beyond them winning a club championship. It goes beyond winning a game. This is about the integrity of what happened on the pitch and the fact that... Kilmico cheated Maliki's comments are along those lines he said afterwards he's not in favour of objecting he says I can't speak for the club or anything else but I don't think that's how the club operates he's, he's too nice in that regard Maliki on this situation the, well, uh, the I, chairman though is, is coming out stronger yeah, he says, well, look, made aware. yeah I mean I think that uh, I, I think that I, it, there's this all oh, you can't be seen to be given out in the GAA it's like well, I mean, well, this, uh, well just play, play by the rules Yeah, have the rules be the rules and then have that be the situation that everybody knows is going to be followed. Well, here's what the rules say. So, the, the Colin Keyes is reporting on the rules this morning. So, under the rules of specification and control 6.44bi in part one of the official guide, the award of a game to the opposing team, a replay or a fine, is the suite of penalty options for a team that breaches the regulations regarding an excessive number of their players on the field at one time. So, this can come from a, quote, proven objection or a, quote, inquiry of the committee in charge, which in this case is the CCCC. Uh, and Column goes on to say it's not as black and white as it once was with a, with a depending on circumstances clause now giving some latitude as to the, to the extent of the penalty. So the onus appears to be for some reason, as Column is reporting, on Glenn. That's to ridiculous. Uh, like the CCCC can still weigh up what's going on here and determine if, the, if there was an advantage to uh, Darren Mullen being on the line. But of course it's an advantage because it's an extra, it's an extra man in the eye line of the Glenn Players it has a massive knock-on impact. I'm, I'm sorry. It has a massive knock-on impact in that last second. They, maybe they would have floated the ball into the, yeah. Uh, like, like instead of taking it short and doing what they did, which by the way was either incredibly creative or a complete accident. But uh, also flashes just wide, and and then the keeper wouldn't have been safe to go. Okay, that's going wide because I know where I am. Like it has a massive knock-on impact. Uh, I'm not saying that they would have won. I'm no, not, of course no, not. No that's one not is saying point. that, that's but it doesn't. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter. It's like. It's like the, the famous Offaly game when the Offaly fans came on and sat down in the field to play. I don't think they were going to beat Clare that day, to be honest. No. But we don't know. We don't know is the thing. You can't tell. Now, there's a comment here I just wanted to get to about, um, where is it? Fergus Keogh says, It's not cheating if the Croaks management were calling the players off, but the ref let play go on with too many players on the pitch. It's crap officiating. That's right. It's always the official's fault. It's, always, it's never our job to know the rules and make sure that the players are off. It's always somebody else's fault. You can always find a little thing to wriggle off the hook in the GAA rule book and go, oh, 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 it's, it's not written. It's not written. It's like, but just take responsibility. It's your fault if you've got too many players in the field. You have to carry the consequences for that. And the consequences should be serious because it's an all iron final. Yeah. It's so, the end of the season. These guys have literally been training. This is like the longest competition of all time. 
we, we talk about often the GEA not learning from the past mistakes, right? There's a comment in here from Sean on the YouTube. Navin O'Mahony's played an extra sub in Meath Championship semi-final against Dunboyne in 2005 and were kicked out. I've got an article open here from The Independent in 2005. So Dunboyne Clubs and Peters have lodged an objection over Navin O'Mahony's alleged use of four substitutes during extra time of last Sunday's Meath Senior Football Championship semi-final. Only three were allowed. And, and the Dunboyne PRO comments... This rings home. He says, we would prefer if we didn't have to lodge an objection and instead that action will be taken by the county board because of the breaching of a rule. Why is this being, like, this is 17 years later and it's happening again and all of a sudden it's down to the club to lodge an objection? Yeah, the whole, uh, depending on circumstances, malarkey is like, no, cheat and you get you get kicked out. That should be, like, the, the whole, um, oh, we can fine you because, you know, maybe that's the thing to do if you're, like, 17 points up and you put one on. Well, you're supposed to know the rules. Yeah. We're, we're trusting you not to cheat in the competition. And in this instance, I don't, I don't think it's with malice aforethought, although if they, if they knew that there were too many players in the field of play and they still were like, yeah, that's okay. I don't know. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. We shouldn't be talking about this. No. No. Uh, maybe Glenn were going to steal it with the last second winner. Who knows? Look, Glenn, Glenn probably feel you know, reluctant to even talk about it because they had their own goal chances to win the game normally, fair and square anyway. And points chances. Yeah, of course. To tap over those points when you're through one on one, there's a man inside, hundred percent, and you miss the ball, like just kick. I mean, the, hand pass it. We'll we'll make an exception for you. You can hand pass that one over. Farcical. And the pitch, the pitch you mentioned, Jer, uh, at Croke Park, and some of the quotes from the Ballyhale Shamrocks manager Pat Hoban, like trying to raise the ball on tarmac. He said it was not fit for a training session, and he says, yeah, for an all-out final, if that was the pitch, you wouldn't train on it. That's farcical, and you could see from the TV screen you were there. I was there. The pitch was awful. It was the first thing I commented on when I sat down in my seat. Like there was just massive patches where there was no grass. And was it awful before the hurling started? Yeah, it was bad both times. But like, I this is the thing. Like I know it had been raining and stuff, and I was kind of like, oh, maybe that's affecting it. But I don't think that is it at all. Like it was literally like that from the very start. That you could see the exact patches, like players were trying to avoid certain parts of the pitch mm. because they were slipping so much. Like even the penalty that Kilmico got, it was doubtful watching it at the time. He did seem to kind of slip as he went down and that made it look a lot worse than it actually was. And that was the same corner the players continually slipped on throughout the game. Um, so yeah, I don't know what they've done to it since the Garth Brooks concerts, but you'd want to hope that they get it fairly sorted, fairly fast. Well, it was, it was covered for two weeks for the Garth Brooks concert, and then it was relayed after that. So, yeah. I mean, Garth Brooks is to blame here, isn't he? No, I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But, well, but there's been, been so many games. It's been a running thing since then yeah. that the pitch hasn't been recovering as quickly. So, I mean, whether it was relayed wrong or there's some issue with that, I don't know. But I'm sure they'll get it fixed. There's, uh, they've a track record of getting this thing fixed whenever there's a bit of heat on it. So, um, I, and I mean metaphorically as opposed to like putting the heaters on, like they actually have. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, because, move on to green. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think is going to happen? I think nothing's going to happen. Something should happen. Yeah. It'd be ridiculous if nothing happens. I think it'd be. Come a on, fine. Glenn. Get your lawyers going. Come on. Yeah. Make make something happen. I I just I, I foresee nothing happening, which which worries me. But um, you'd imagine in the next day or two we'll hear from Glenn and and they make their decision either way. They shouldn't have to make that decision themselves. But anyway, such is the the reality of the GA at the moment. Uh, in the green, Kathleen will be loving this. Arsenal. Um, so I, I need two tickets for Arsenal Man City. Can anybody get me two tickets for Arsenal Man City? How do we do this? Shout out. Well, David Myler sorted me. So who who does he know? Oh, right. <laughs> Just casually are dropping you, that one again. Are you, are you allowed to say that, Shane? <laughs> oh, well, he, he said it on air. It was okay, on OTB okay. Football okay. Saturday. Yeah, All yeah, right, yeah. Okay, okay. He literally got in touch with Harry Maguire, the club captain, which, which helped. Yeah. Um, Harry Maguire not playing for Arsenal or Man no, City at the moment. neither. No doubt Myler's played for someone on, on involved with either club. Uh, so, yeah, someone someone get chair tickets. Um, 
tough, tough to get tickets for Arsenal at the minute because the way they're playing, they're, they're champions elect, aren't they? Uh, I think Gary Neville in commentary said it was a retro feel to the game yesterday. Yeah, that was a good line. It really was. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. As a United fan, it kind of had the keen... You could feel the ghosts of Keane and Vieira and Youngberg and all these lads. And they're all, of course, alive and well. Um, <laughs> but you could feel their ghosts. It felt like it was at Highbury. Hello, Freddie. Like hello, Thierry. Yeah, all the lads. Uh, it didn't feel like an Emirates game. It truly felt like this was Highbury. And this was 2000 and what? Five or 1998 for the previous generation. Uh, this was a proper Arsenal United game of old. And I think the game needed Marcus Rashford opening the scoring the way he did. Um, brought Arsenal, I mean, Arsenal were, were, were the better team throughout. But I think United needed the opening goal to make it a game. And uh, I didn't expect United to equalise after Saka giving them the 2 1 advantage early in the second half. But the Martinez header really, really gave us a, a proper finish. And uh, yeah, bombarding the United goal for the last 10 15 minutes. And, uh, United can point to the Casemiro absence, but as Roy Keane said afterwards, you're going to have players missing. I know, it turns out he's very, 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 very important. And that's, yeah. not, that's not a bad thing. Like, uh, you know, uh, it's going to help to uh, just foster that sense of adoration that mm. he has from the fans, which obviously has already happened. So uh, it's funny, you all, Man United fans, seem relatively happy with life, even though you've been beaten 3 2. Ten Hag, not happy, but uh, you're back. You're like properly back. One more transfer window. Getting rid of the last bit of dead woods. Whatever happens with the goalkeeper, the decision uh, gets made. I did think Wambasaka gets caught for the goal, and it's like still not goal, yeah. still not at a level yet where you're like, oh wow, this is incredible. But uh, getting something out of him, yeah, it's the journey will be long, but the turnaround has been really fast, and the Arsenal journey is like a, a pretty interesting template to follow, where they went and spent massively, and it really helped. Well, I think United can focus now on top four and maybe winning the trophy. They've got the Carabao Cup semi-final first leg this week against Forest. They've got the FA Cup fourth round against Reading at the weekend. Like They can definitely go for a trophy and finish top four. That would be a good season for them, considering where they've been of late. But Arsenal at the minute. I mean, Eddie Nkedia, the unlikely hero. Um, 13... Saka's goal as well. I feel like that oh. just sums up where Arsenal are at at the moment. That like as such a young player can take on a shot like that. Score. And he tried it again like a couple yeah. of minutes later. That, that one didn't post. go in, but like it was close. Yeah, I mean, like I didn't expect Eddie Nketiah to step up when Jesus was out, but 13 goals in his last 13 starts, all of a sudden he's brilliant. And Zinchenko, we've already mentioned, his ability to link defence with attack. Uh, I'm shocked, and I said it last week on the show, I'm shocked that City let him go. But Arsenal clearly are, are making making moves, and Trossard, another signing as well, who came on and was lively towards the end. I think he'll do great things with Arsenal. Yeah, um, he was a bit of a bargain. 100%. Uh, the type of uh, good signing that um, 21 million pounds. good teams make. Uh, okay. Very quickly, last one. Yeah, last in the green. Haven't given this enough time, by the way. No, we should we have haven't. given this. We should have like done twenty-five minutes here on <laughs> Evan Ferguson. Yeah, the Irish stars. Uh, so what are we saying? Evan Ferguson, Padraig Harrington, Rashida Adelecki, and Mark Allen. I mean, what more can you say? Evan Ferguson breaking records all around him. Um, like that goal was. It wasn't just the goal. It wasn't just the fact that he equalised for Brighton against Leicester so late on. It was the fact that he straight away is thinking, "Let's grab the ball out of the goals. Let's go get a winner." They didn't get that winner, but he's got the attitude, Evan Ferguson. That famous off the court. bench, yeah, off, off the bench. That's great though, as well. It's Fantastic. Like, uh, I'm responding to being having like Danny Welbeck taking my place. Yeah, you know, many other people have not responded well to being dropped in the past. Sorry, you go on. Yeah, three goals and two assists in his five Premier League appearances, two of which have been off the bench. So that's a goal involvement every 40 minutes. The Premier League tweeted yesterday the best ratio among players who have played at least 90 minutes in the competition this season. He's unreal. Stick your shyness in your back pocket. The famous Meath lad said to Sean Boylan. Why can we not get bloody excited about these people? 
Why can't we get excited? We're going to get accused of uh, the hype train with Evan Ferguson. Yes, Calm down, get right on board. Choo-choo. Start him against France. Throw him straight in there. I don't care if he's only if he hasn't played a competitive game. Friday. The thing is, this like this is the first weekend where I've actually seen like non-Irish people get really excited about him and 100%. be like, oh, this guy is actually really good. Like all the English journalists were talking about him over the weekend. Yeah, the star is going beyond just us being like, oh, this could be great for someone for us for the future. Everyone else is starting to get on board, and yeah. I think when that happens, you're like, well, we called it. Harry Kane's replacement at Spurs. Oh, Jesus, Jerry, you've called it. My, that's my prediction. Uh, but Roberto, whatever Roberto De Zerbi is doing with him at the moment, stick there. You're 18, Evan, you've got a bit of time, but we're going to get excited about you. Yeah, Rashid yeah. Adelecki as well. Let's right. get excited about Rashid Adelecki. First run of the season, mid-season training, and... Smash his own record. Yeah. So smash his own record. So this is in Albuquerque, New Mexico, winning time of 22.52 seconds at the Martin Luther King Invitational, the fastest indoor 200 metres in the world this year. Let's get excited about these young Irish It talents. is January, but that's okay. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. She's only 20. Um, midway through her junior year at the University of Texas, she's 25th on the world all-time 200-meter list indoors. 25th on the world all-time. Um, she's incredible. Uh, she was in the outside lane, which apparently is preferred in indoor sprinting as well. Uh, powerful finish. And she took second place as well in the 60 meters, 7.2 seconds flat there. Um, and, and she's running really well. I, I, like, there's going to be a big 2023 for Rashid Adelecki, you'd imagine. Um, but the way she's going, she's fantastic. Yeah. Let's get excited about her. Poor Carrington burning it up, nearly getting himself back into contention. The old fogey, yeah. Um, just short in his bid to become the oldest winner in the DP World Tour history. Um, didn't quite get there, but I mean, a fourth place finish. Well, what, what more do you want? Yeah, well, I mean, contended, contended a major this year, not beyond the bounds of possibility. Literally earning more from playing golf at the moment than he has at any stage yeah. in his career. And they were kind of joking about, oh, the start of his Ryder Cup campaign... That's it now. I was like, actually, you know what? Is he? Could he? Could he? He could do it. Fifty-one years of age, Patrick Harrington. Like, uh, you know, you would. I would. I'm certainly not betting against him. Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not surprised that he can do the fifty-one, given Buzz Aldrin and Michael Dwyer can do it. Did we get everybody in there? Uh, Mark Allen. We'll just finally mention. I was up late watching him uh, finish off at the um, the World Grand Prix. Dramatic final. He was he was six-two up after the first session in the afternoon. Seven-two up. Then eight-four up. It was the first to ten. Joe Trump gets back to eight, eight all. Allen goes 9-8, 9-9, decider then, uh, Mark Allen lumps over the line in the World Grand Prix, 100 grand for his troubles as well, so nice. a great weekend for the Irish lads. Alright, at 6 minutes past 8, that is today's version of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. OTBAN's Performance Rankings with Gillette.